This is Real Fiction. I'm Lori Messing-McGarry. If you're listening on KXCV or the Bearcat Public Media app, welcome. I'm glad you're here. On Real Fiction, I speak with authors, journalists, and changemakers. I'm looking for overlooked stories. And all Real Fiction guests have something in common. They are grappling with issues, with ethical gray areas, and no easy solutions. All Real Fiction episodes are available on KXCV's public media app and wherever you get your podcasts. You can also find episodes on realfictionradio.com. I have guest profiles and more information about each episode. I'll be back in a moment with today's guest. Diversity and inclusion programs around the country continue to hit the headlines. Classroom discussions on university campuses can go viral in a flash, which is why a program on the campus of Northwest Missouri State University in Maryville, Missouri, continues to fascinate me. How has the diversity and inclusion program managed to avoid those viral moments and actually inspire change? We have a returning guest today on Real Fiction. Dr. Justin Mallett is Assistant Vice President of Diversity and Inclusion at Northwest Missouri State University. He serves as liaison for students and employees from historically underrepresented identities on topics related to recruitment and retention, leadership, and cultural competency. Since joining the university staff in 2017, Dr. Mallett has implemented new programs on campus and beyond the campus in the community of Maryville, Missouri. He's also created the Bearcat Diversity Book Club, which is still going strong. Dr. Mallett's work is an example of how academic theory shows up in real life and makes an impact, and he will be taking this approach to Northern Arizona University in Flagstaff in the fall. So I wanted to catch up with him and reflect on this unique approach to diversity inclusion. Dr. Justin Mallett, welcome back to Real Fiction. Thanks for having me back. I really appreciate it. You know, when you were first on the program in 2021, we discussed your work with diversity um, on the campus of Northwest Missouri State University, which is in Maryville, Missouri. And I'm sure a lot has changed since that time. Certainly, uh, uh, students are really back in full force uh, in person on campus. And, you know, just around the country, what we see are culture and free speech debates happening everywhere, social media on university campuses. So I wonder if just before we we dive in, if could you give us kind of a sense of Northwest Missouri State Campus and the community of Maryville. Yeah, so uh, I I think since we last chatted, um, you know, a a lot of things have changed. Uh, One, you're right, we're back in person, but uh, just overall, uh, from a diversity and inclusion perspective on campus and in the community, I think what we've done is we've really taken a step to define what diversity and inclusion really looks like in our community and and on campus and 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 I have a very uh, strong motto and belief that uh, you have to be able to sweep around your own porch first before you start trying to sweep around other places and so uh, we've taken this approach that we need to make sure that we take a look at our campus and our community first and not really focus on what's going on 
in the region and what other places are doing and what other states are doing? How can we, in particular, hone in on our campus and hone in with our Maryville community? And and what we've been able to do uh, is on campus, we, we, we got involvement through our uh, Inclusive Excellence Action Plan, uh, we've got involvement from our faculty and staff and students through just involvement in different programming uh, related to diversity and inclusion. And it's really carried itself out because we, we, we tend to focus more on the, uh, on the mindset of what can we do to make everybody feel welcome? How can we how can we make everybody feel involved and how can we make everybody feel respected? And even in the local community, we've done the exact same thing. You know, I've taken the responsibility of writing a monthly news uh, article for the newspaper just to update the community on, hey, here's here's what this is Heritage Month is. And here are some things that we can think about. But most importantly, the most important message that I've delivered to the community, I felt, is I'm going to take a line from Dr. Clarence Green. We're better when we work together. We're better and we're more inclusive when we're all working together uh, to make not only Northwest Missouri State, but the Maryville community as a whole more inclusive. And that's that's where we are. And we've gotten great support and we've gotten great uh, buy-in from students and employees and our community members have been great uh, over the course of the last couple of years. Yeah, that is a, a really great explanation. So if I am understanding this correctly, and and, I, and I've been to the campus um, many times, the campus is located right in the middle of Maryville, Missouri. The community supports the university and the university supports the community. So when you're thinking about diversity and inclusion programs, they all they all really have to work together. Yes, that 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 is that is a hundred percent. And so, uh, and our belief is our belief is is you know uh, we have an office of diversity and inclusion that's dedicated to the work. Uh, we 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 do this every single day, and other people in the community and on campus they don't do this every single day. So, as the subject area experts, let's collaborate and piece some things together. Uh, so we can get everybody involved, we can get everybody understanding, and and we can move beyond this concept of just focusing on race. I think that's one of the most important things that we've been able to do is allow people to be able to see themselves in the work. Race is just one small portion of creating an inclusive environment. There are other identities and other intersectional concepts that we also need to make sure that we are aware of in order to create an inclusive environment. So being able to have conversations that move beyond just race has been one of the most important things we've been able to do. Let's hover there for a minute, because I think that is a uh, kind of a unique aspect of the way you approach diversity and inclusion. I think it uh, a lot of programs do tend to focus on one aspect or another, and I'm wondering if that's where they're getting held up. So where where did this way of, where did this approach, this way of thinking about bringing people together from different identities come from? It's, it's, it's quite different from what I'm hearing on other campuses. One of the things that we had to be able to do is that we, uh, and I had to, uh, as well as People on campus in the community, even our allies, had to. We we had to have an open and honest conversation. If if we if we focus strictly on issues of race, um, 
a lot of people are not going to be able to see themselves in the work because they can't come, they can't address it through a lens of race. And so if, if I'm asking a white person to uh, come to the table and say, Hey, help me in processing this experience of a person of color, that's kind of hard to do. That, that That's a big ask. And it's an ask that really can't be accomplished. But if I'm able to also say, well, hey, let's look at this through some lenses that you may be able to come from. Maybe it's through the lens of gender. Maybe it's through the lens of sexual orientation. Maybe it's through the lens of gender identity. Maybe it's through the lens of socioeconomic status. And that way you, you're able to see yourself in the work. And if you can see yourself in the work, that allows you to be able to think of solutions that are outside of the box. You know, me being a black male, I can look at the lens, I can look at the world through the lens of race and be able to come up with some ideas and suggestions and run it by. But there are some other ways that I'm not able to. And there may be some things that I may be missing, uh, some blind spots that I may have, and that's where I need the help. And that's how we presented it. And once our community was able to see it in that lens to say, okay, I don't have to look at this through the lens of race. I can look at this same scenario through another lens and we can come up with solutions and we can have conversations. And that's what the book club also does as well. It allows you to be able to look at things through a different lens to be able to come up with ideas and concepts and solutions that are very specific to the Northwest campus and to the Maryville community. Yeah. And you anticipated a, a next question, which is um, to revisit how the Bearcat Diversity Book Club is going. I remember very uh, distinctly that um, the way that you were bringing this into the campus and um, a regular discussion point was to sequence the books that are read from very basic, simple explanations to progressively more challenging conversations. And it also showed up in the way that you brought speakers to campus. But how um, how are you handling uh, the book club today? Um, some of the original um, members are probably quite advanced. How, how are you mixing that book club with the new uh, members versus those who have been with the program for a while? Yeah, that's that's a good question. It, it, it's been kind of fun to be able to see uh, some of our uh, our senior members uh, as they've gone through their their social justice journey, and even seeing newer newer people come in and and jumping into the into the book club. And so Ed, you're absolutely right. When we first started out, we started out with this uh, belief that we're going to start from the from from foundational level. And now the book club is at the point where uh, we've evolved our conversation because, well, you know, when we first started the book club, it did focus primarily on race because that was the main theme and the main issue at the time. And now our book club has evolved to the point where our participants are now looking within themselves and asking themselves, here's how here's the role that I play every single day in this discussion, in this dialogue through my actions, through my thoughts, the way I see things. And so, uh, you know, last semester we read the book uh, Biased by Dr. Jennifer Eberhardt. And that forced everybody to look inside and see, hey, where did my implicit biases come from? The environment that I grew up around 
influence the way that I see the world and it influences some of the decisions, a lot of the decisions that I make in my everyday life. And right now we're currently reading the book, uh, Tell Me Who You Are by Winona Guo and and I forgot Priya's last name, but it's really now this store, this book is really honed in and focused in on real life experiences, these two young college students going around the country and interviewing people and getting getting their view and their concept on uh, just diversity and inclusion as a whole and really understanding that diversity and inclusion is, once again, it's more than just race. There's a whole intersectional level in there. And so now our, now our book club members are starting to say, okay, here's where I'm at. And here's the role that I can play in in creating an overall inclusive environment. And, and it's great. The, the the conversations and the discussions that tend to happen in there, it tends to revolve a lot around personal experiences, but then we also are able to intertwine what's going on in the world today as well. When when somebody makes that kind of has an epiphany or they or they start to realize their own role in a community or on a campus um i'm i'm wondering what how how that shows up in the discussion can can you can you sense it can you see it and i also and i want to tie this to the question you mentioned the word ally and i i suspect that once someone understands that their lens has been fixed one way and is now starting to broaden, they perhaps want to be part of the solution. And you use the term ally. Can you connect those kind of epiphanies with actionable um, things that people are, are doing in the in the community of Maryville? Oh yeah, most definitely. When, when, when you see it happen, it, it, it's, it's, it's like uh, it, you you see the light just go off in uh, in 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 that person's head. It's like, oh my gosh, this is how this connects. And the nice thing with with the book club, when you see it happens, nine times out of ten, that person goes back to their department and they say, hey, here's some things that we should be looking at. Hey, here's some things that we should be doing within our own department because what we uh, a lot of people they stick to our belief and said, okay. I'm not going to try. I think one of the main issues that we always see in diversity and inclusion is, is everybody wants us to come up with the big idea. Well, it's not the big idea. It's okay. What can I do in my department first? Can this work in my department? And now if this works in my department, can I take it to my, can I take it to my chair and director? Can I take it across campus? Then can I take it into the community? And we, we've really, really adopted that mentality uh, uh, to be able to do it. So when when you when they when you see that light go off, oh my gosh, it's 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 the best thing for me because then I have conversations with that person, and then it's like they have twenty ideas and they're all great, but within the ally piece of it, uh, they start to see themselves not as the person who can fix it, and one of the things that we it allows them to become a lot more stronger because now. Uh, that person is no longer fragile. They're not. They're not operating through the context of fragility. Of yeah. saying, "Okay, well, uh, I want to do this, but I'm not quite sure how it's going. How it's going to be interpreted is well. I'm doing this because it's the right thing to do. I'm saying this because it's the right thing to do. I'm speaking up because it's the right thing to do. And when you see it happen, 
especially in the community. Oh my goodness. It, it's, it's, it's unbelievable. I, I write, like I mentioned earlier, I write a monthly article for the Maryville daily forum. And that was from a conversation when I went in and did a, a presentation for our leadership Maryville group, the, the owner of the daily forum after that conversation came up to me and said, Oh my gosh, there are so many inequities that I see. Are you willing to write an article every month to help also provide education to our community? Yes, that's great because now the people in the Maryville community can now see this work, not as just race, but everything else that's involved in it as well. Hmm. So if I'm understanding the, the impact of participating in the book club could have could result in uh, an educator um, returning to their own classroom and maybe adjusting the way lectures are delivered or adjusting the way conversations are conducted in the classroom. Is that one example of how that shift can happen? Yeah, most definitely, and that that's exactly what we want to happen. We we want. We want you to be able to go back into your classroom as, as, as a professor or a faculty member. We want you to go back and start thinking about inclusive and thinking inclusive in your, in your teaching. Are you incorporating, are you incorporating people of color or people from different intersectional identities into your, into your lesson plan? That's what we, what we want to have happen, even from, even from a leadership level. We want our leadership to be able, as you're thinking about policies, and decisions that's going to affect this institution, we want you to be able to think about it through an inclusive lens. We want you to be able to say, okay, well, if we if we create this policy, how is it going to affect someone from a low socioeconomic status? How is it going to affect a person of color? How is it going to affect uh, someone from a different gender identity? That's the ultimate goal, to be able to create that dialogue and that conversation, to be able to create diversity of thought. And and we even go even this far. It may not even change your mind, Lori. It it may be you it may the discussion in the book club may harden your belief on something. But we want you to get to the point where you feel comfortable enough to be able to share that thought and we can engage in uh courageous civil dialogue so we can all understand where everybody's coming from. Well, I have had the privilege of sitting in on one of the book clubs and uh, attending um, other meetings that you have run on campus. And I'm amazed because these um, challenging and courageous conversations that take place, they are still civil. Uh, That is running in short supply in this country. How are you able to maintain those difficult, challenging conversations without uh, a a fight erupting, without something going viral on social media, because we're seeing this all over the country. You're doing something a little different. How, how are you doing that? Yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's given just being able to give everybody the room to, to share their, to share their thoughts. Uh, uh, and we, we make it very clear in the beginning, Hey, we may not see eye to eye, but I also believe that we all see the world in different ways. You know, I, I, I know myself and I know that I see the world through the lens of race. So any conversation that you have with me, I'm going to look at it through a racial lens. 
I know someone else may look at the world through a through a gender perspective. And I understand that somebody else in the room may look at it through a socioeconomic status perspective. And so just being able to understand that and, and laying those ground rules out in the beginning to say, hey, we're, we're, we're not all going to agree on everything. I can promise you in the book club, we don't all agree on everything. And sometimes conversations will, I, I may say something and people may give me a very strange look like, wow, Justin, what do you mean by that? And it's okay for you to challenge me because I know that I may have a blind spot and knowing that we have that, we're all coming at this from a from a from a level playing field. And I, I don't try to create power dynamics in the room. It's, hey, this is for your personal growth. This is for your development. Like I, I didn't force you to come into the book club. I didn't force you to join the book club. I didn't force you to engage in this dialogue. But if you're going to come in and have this dialogue, we're going to be civil about about it and we're going to we're going to we're going to embrace and and understand the lens where everybody's coming from. And 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 that's helped us quite a bit. I want to remind listeners my guest today here on Real Fiction is Dr. Justin Mallett, he is Assistant Vice President of Diversity and Inclusion at Northwest Missouri State University. We're following up on a conversation we had a couple of years ago about developments on the subject of diversity, equity, and inclusion. Dr. Mallett, what is it about your background that you think um, has helped bring this really safe space and unique lens onto this campus? We talked about this a little bit last time you were here, but what about your background do you think is gives you that unique lens into this issue? Yeah, so I, I think I think my upbringing and my and my trajectory in life has uh, allowed me to have this view. And so uh, anybody who knows me knows that I, I was born and raised in central Mississippi and in a, in my hometown, I grew up in a very segregated environment. And so in my hometown, uh, the white folks had their part of town and the black folks had their part of town. And, you know, and the only place where there was really integration was in the schools. And so in my hometown, uh, even in the schools, we were integrated, but we were still segregated. And so my high school prom was segregated. Uh, and in my hometown, the high school prom didn't get integrated until about 2010, 2011. And after I graduated high school, I moved from being in a segregated environment all the way up to central Wisconsin. And I lived in Stevens Point, Wisconsin. And I lived in a predominantly white environment. And so being being put in that environment allowed me to be able to see uh, even majority folks through a different lens. And because I was able to see through that different lens, I was able to apply some a lot of the things that I do today. Uh, my, my mentor, uh, the uh, former director of multicultural affairs at the University of Wisconsin Stevens Point, was a white guy, and and Ron made it very clear in the beginning. He said, "Hey." I will never, ever, ever be able to relate to any experiences that you all have as students of color, but I'm there to listen. And if I can mm. help, I'll help in any way that I can. And that right there, that statement, when, when Ron said that to me, it has lived with me to this day. And, and, it, and it's how I approach it as well. Hey, I'm not going to have all the answers, but I'm willing to listen. I'm willing to hear your thoughts. 
And then let's see if we can work together through your lens and my lens. And let's see what we can come up with. Yeah, I'm uh, taking this all in. And, you know, it sounds so simple, but it is not easy to maintain that. At least it, it seems like you're doing something that's so it, it seems so common sense, but it's just not happening um, in enough places. And that I think is why we're seeing results on the campus where you teach and in the community of Maryville. And I mentioned that you are going to be um, taking a new position at the at Northern Arizona University in Flagstaff. So I thought if if you could tell me before you are you know leaving Maryville, what in your view, is your your proudest accomplishment in Ver- in Maryville, and then what do you hope to get started with when you get to Flagstaff? <laughs> yeah, that's a ooh, that's a tough question. That's a hard question. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I I think um, the the thing that I'm I'm most proud about is uh, the amount of support that we have for diversity and inclusion, not only on campus but in the community, the, the, the momentum that we have built up, uh, in, in both areas is unbelievable. The conversations that we're, we're having is unbelievable. You know, everybody now on campus has, uh, they have an inclusive excellence action plan. Uh, we have things built in with the community. We have trainings and workshops built in with the, within the community. Uh, I can honestly say that uh, for the first time in my professional career, I feel very comfortable living in the community that I'm in because of the support that we've got. And my kids feel comfortable living in the Maryville community, which was the ultimate goal when we first started uh, doing some of this work as well. Uh, So I think that's the proudest accomplishment, uh, being able to see the work uh, come out right now. Uh, at Northern Arizona, it, it, it's going to be it, it's it's going to be a lot different uh, because I'm, I've been I'm being asked to build a department and unit up from from the ground up. Uh, wow. So so a lot of the things that I'm accustomed to doing, I'm going to have to change a little bit. So uh, it, it's not going to be me. If we do a book club, it may not be me leading the book club. Uh, it may not be it may not be me doing all of the teachings and the workshops and the trainings. And so, uh, but it's going to be me helping set the strategic uh, vision, uh, incorporating the strategic plan, and creating some alignment not only on their campus but within their community. They they have a lot of good things that are are going that's going on out there in northern Arizona and so now it's an opportunity for me to come in and create some alignment to make sure that everybody can see their role in the work as well and so so I'm excited uh to to build a program from the ground up but it's also a little nervous as well well Dr. Justin Mallet is our guest today um Dr. Mallet I always learn so much when I read about what you're doing and um, I'm privileged to be in conversation with you. I can't thank you enough for joining Real Fiction again today. Oh, no problem. Anytime, any, anytime I can join, even when I'm at, in Flagstaff, oh, please don't ever hesitate to reach out. I, I love doing this and I love updating everybody 
on the work and how you can do the work, especially with today's climate and everything that you're seeing in the news. I, I just think it's important to be able to understand that the work that we're doing is not to create collective guilt. Uh, the work is not to create fragility, but the work uh, that we're that we're seeking to do is to create inclusive uh, to create an inclusive environment. And in order to create that inclusive environment, you're going to have to look back within yourself and within your upbringing and how you and and and, and the things that you've experienced in life to understand how you see the world. Yeah, getting uncomfortable can actually create change. Dr. Justin Mallet has joined me today on Real Fiction. Thank you so much. Hey, thank you. This is Real Fiction. I'm Lori Messing-McGarry. All Real Fiction episodes are available on KXCV's public media app and wherever you get your podcasts. You can also find episodes on realfictionradio.com. I have guest profiles on the website, along with links to some of the specific things we discuss in case you're interested in more background information. Real Fiction is on most social media platforms. You can find me there. And a reminder that Real Fiction airs on Saturdays, 1130 on KXCV. Thanks for listening.